This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries. Well, hello, everybody. It's wonderful to have you with us. I pray wherever you are that you know that God is with you exactly in the place where you are. Well, the church in its wisdom divides up the whole year into what it calls a liturgical calendar, a worship calendar. And different things happened in that calendar every year that remind us and help us to grow more deeply in our relationship with God. Well, one of the great seasons of the church is what's called the Christmas season. Now, often we think of the Christmas season as the period before Christmas, when the world does, all the shopping, the, you know, all the songs in the, in the shops, the decorations. But to be honest with you, in the church, the Christmas season begins on Christmas Day and then goes for quite a while. And the reason is, is that we're celebrating the coming of Jesus into the world and all that that means. Well, going right back to the time of Jesus' birth, they would have had no idea, in one sense, all that was happening. Have a look at this in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilment of what God has spoken to her by the Lord. See, what had happened was the angel Gabriel had appeared to Mary, had said to Mary, you're going to be the mother of the Lord, said to, her, to Mary also that Elizabeth, your relative in her old age, is going to become a mother as well. And Mary had gone to see her. And, and so here is this baby that is about to be born, this baby who will save the whole world, the people of Israel. God chooses a people. There's this whole idea of what we call election, where God elects the people of Israel, this tiny, obscure, nowhere place and nation, and says, through this nation, I'm going to save the whole world. Uh, now, this little nation, through their history, had had stories about how they were going to be the ones that were, were special, that they were going to be God's people. He was going to be their God. They had been waiting for a saviour, a saviour that would come. Here they were, this little people, often who had been through the centuries, uh, overcome by invading nations. And yet here they are thinking, well, we're meant to be the people of God. We're meant to be the leaders. We're meant to be powerful. And so they were waiting for a saviour to come who would save them from the oppression that they were in. And Mary goes to a relative and with such joy, that so much joy that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps, which would have been an incredible. Oppression, oppression is what the baby Jesus has come into the world to overcome. The baby Jesus has come to overcome oppression. And when we look at Jesus, however, we don't see a warrior at first, not at first anyway. We see for the first time in Jesus, a baby born in Bethlehem. And yet conflict rages. Uh, 
Conflict is raging at this point in time between the kingdom of heaven and the devil. The conflict is raging between right and wrong. Conflict is raging between the powers of good and evil. And into this battle, a saviour is born. A warrior, yes, a baby who is a warrior is born. But we don't see that at first. C.S. Lewis was once asked, the great Christian writer was once asked, uh, why did God enter into our, uh, our human condition so quietly? as, a, as a, a baby born in obscurity. And his answer was always the same. Why, was, why would, did God enter into our human condition so quietly as a baby born in obscurity? And he said this, because he had to slip clandestinely behind enemy lines. He had to slip clandestinely behind enemy lines. Jesus came into the world quietly. Jesus came into the world without the whole world seeing the fanfare of what had happened. And then it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, in those days a decree went out from the emperor, Augustus, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Here are these two powerful people. These two leaders wanted everyone to be registered. Why? Scholars tell us because they could tax them more effectively. That's right. They could tax people more effectively. They could draft them into their armies when they went on conquest more easily. When they also, thirdly, they could order them about more easily. And so here were these powerful figures, the emperor, Augustus, Quirinius, running a, uh, a census, but effectively Scholars tell us because they had other motives than just a nice clean count. Um, Luke quickly, however, he changes, when we read Luke's story in the gospel, Luke changes the emphasis because the story is not about uh, the Emperor Augustus or not about Quirinius, the, the governor of Syria, but it's about two nobodies. The story is about two nobodies, a woman named Mary and a man named Joseph on a journey from the forgotten outpost uh, that was part of the Augustus's empire, a vast empire. Here was little Mary, little Joseph, no ones. And the story Luke makes all about them. The baby is born in a place where animals are kept. And yet the emperor Augustus is in a palace. He's powerful and protected. Luke tells us that the true emperor is born into an unprotected, vulnerable and exposed place. But not the, not the emperor. Uh, see, successful life is not found in, in what we have or what we achieve or what we do. Success in life, we read in the scriptures, tells us is all about the giving away of our life for others. It's about being open to love. Here we see a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, too weak to even roll over to lift its head. A baby that is the perfect picture of complete, absolute weakness. And here is Caesar Augustus, powerful. He can exert power over much of the known world. And here are these two emperors, the true emperor, Jesus, and Emperor Augustus. 
Luke tells us that the true kingship has nothing to do with worldly power, but rather the willingness to be bound for the sake of the other person is where real power is. Uh, the best fed person in the world was the Emperor Caesar Augustus. And here was Jesus, one who was willing to give his body as food for all. And so one thing we clearly hear that appears out of all of this is that, these, uh, that angels appear to a shepherd, that something bigger is happening here. This is just not the story of presence. This is not the story of a baby. This is the story, as some scholars tell us, this is the story of war, of a spiritual battle that's raging between God and evil. In verse uh, Luke chapter 2, it goes on and it says this, In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in, in bands of cloth and lying in a manger and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom who he finds favour. Now, when we think about angels, angels are not like these pretty little uh, pictures, objects that we see of them where everyone welcomes them. Angels in the scriptures were terrifying to people in those days. They were something to be feared. They were something to be scared of. I was in uh, uh, North Carolina and I went to visit a ministry friend of mine and outside the front of his building, he had, an, and had the angel Gabriel and the angel Gabriel was eight feet tall. And, and he said to me, I didn't know this, but he said to me, he said in the scriptures, the angels were tall, huge. And as you stood there with this angel, the depiction of the way it was by the artist, it was such a powerful thing. Imagine if a creature not of this world turned up in your bedroom, turned up in your kitchen. A creature, an angel not of this world turned up sitting beside you in your car. That's if they could fit in. Imagine what that would have been like. Fear would have been normal. Fear would have been understandable. Fear would have been natural. And immediately the angel Gabriel makes an announcement concerning Jesus. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. In other words, Caesar Augustus has the largest army in the known world. But that army is nothing compared to the army of angelic hosts that were there lined up behind the true emperor, baby Jesus that day. This battle between the two opposing powers plays out throughout the whole life of Jesus, this battle. See, the, the reality of the true Christmas is that something far bigger is going on, more significant is taking place than presents, parties, big meals, gathering together, a baby in a manger, snow in the Northern Hemisphere, 
heat in the Southern Hemisphere. This war that's taking place is at a new level. Someone once said, Christmas Day is Invasion Day. It's a different image, isn't it? Christmas Day is an invasion, is invasion day by God himself when God came into our world and walked the planet. He's the only one who can win the war that rages. He's the only one that can overcome the struggles in our lives. He's the only one who can defeat the things in our life that we can't defeat ourselves. And so it's right to celebrate Christmas. It's right to celebrate that the victorious one is come, that the Saviour is come. And so our parties, our big meals, our decorations, they all have a place if we see them through the eyes of faith. As the world pushes Christmas to the side, and it does, as it pushes Christ to the side, and it does, as the world forgets the more significant, the significance of what this event is all about, we as Christians can't. The world is kind of whitewashing what Christmas is. We're losing the terms of Christmas. We could now call it the holidays because it's more politically acceptable. And we're losing that sense of God in us, Jesus in us, Jesus in our world. But when we were so lost from God, when we had, because of original sin, no ability to get to God, no ability. It was going to have to be God that made the decision to turn up. It was going to have to be God that made the decision that He will do. It was going to have to be God that stopped and said, I will come into your world. That it was going to have to be God's grace that comes to us. The Christmas season is a time when we can deal with some of the mistakes in our life because Jesus has come. The Christmas season is a time when we can deal with some of the problems that we face because Jesus has come. The Christmas season is this season to rightly celebrate victory because Jesus has come. And wherever you are today, whatever you're going through today, be mindful of Jesus coming into our world to defeat that which is opposed to you, to that which stands against you, that does not want the best for you and your family. Jesus has come. Jesus has come in order that you could live a life that you can't live in any other way. Jesus has come. And so Christmas is this time to celebrate. In my family, I have uh, 10 grandchildren and five, uh, five children of our own and, uh, and our uh, sons-in-laws and our daughter-in-law. And on Christmas Day, we get together and we have presents. And we share presents with one another and we celebrate each other and we celebrate the moment and we remember family and all the good things and we realise that God is behind all of it. And opening presents is always fantastic on our day and the way we do it is with something that carried over from the way my mum and dad did it, to be honest. And, on, and when, when I was growing up, it was always my mum that would sit down and she would hand each of us the presents. They were all around the tree. And then she'd hand each of them. And, and, and then we'd all open them one by one and everybody would get to see it. 
And people didn't like to go that slow because when you were kids, you wanted to get your own. You didn't want to see what anybody else was getting. But in our family, we do that and never, the whole family gathers and they come in and, and, and when, when our, and you always know when the grandchildren arrive, you hear the front door slam open and you hear the running of feet and they go straight to the Christmas tree and they're ready to open them up. And when you sit there, and eventually you, you, you've given them a hug and a kiss that they're not really all that interested in doing because they want presents. And you give them a present, and particularly as a grandparent, I, I learned this more as a grandparent than I did even as a parent. You give them a gift. You give them a gift. And in our family, somehow it graduated to me being the one who gives out most of the presents every year. And when you give them a present, they immediately unwrap it, they look at it, and then they put it behind them and they go, another one? And then, and then they look at it and they put it behind them and say, another one? And, and at no point does it cross their mind to give you one. Oh, at some point you'll get something from them. But let's be honest, it's all about them. And, and want to know something, and even if they didn't give you anything, you're just completely happy. You're just completely satisfied. You're just completely fulfilled because, you, because there's something beautiful about giving when you can. There's something beautiful about being able to give. And there's no expectation from our grandchildren that we would get anything back in return. And, and when they do give us something back in return, most of the time, most of the time, it's something their parents have arranged. It really hasn't come from them at all. But what often is more precious is when they do go out later on and they come back and they've got a drawing that they've made or a, something that they've stuck together at school and they've made it something and they give it to you. And, and to me, that's always been more precious to me. And I've kept every one, of, every one of my grandchildren of every year they've been at school, I've got it in a file. And even though they're just this scribbled piece of paper sometimes that don't mean much, they came from them. See, there's something beautiful about giving. There's something beautiful about giving with no expectation of return. So when we give our grandchildren and they're just happy to get, and even though they don't understand the transaction that's taking place, there's something about your heart that breaks and bursts because you think, I'm just giving to them because I love them. That's what God wants at Christmas for you. And He wants in the Christmas season for you, not just on a day, that you would come to know the greatest gift that He gives, which is His love. And that you would know that love personally, you would know it within yourself, that you would know you are loved. I pray for you that in this Christmas season, that you would know the presence of God, not just the presence, but His very presence in your life. Because if you discover that presence, if you discover that God has come to save you, to be with you, that God has come into our world to walk with us, to protect us and to guide us, that God has come to draw us into His life, it changes everything. There is a power, there is a power, there is a peace and there is a purpose, power, peace and purpose that God has for each of us that through the Christmas season we celebrate, but we also receive as we say, Lord, may the reality of Christmas become true in me. Loving Father, we thank You today that You love us. And we pray, Lord God, in this Christmas season, may we experience You more deeply, 
that Lord God, the war that rages that we talk about using that imagery, because that's what it is, it's just imagery. You have already won. You are already victorious. And in the challenges of our life, the callings that you've put within our life, may this Christmas we be able to experience your love that enables us to overcome. And Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Christmas is a magnificent period to start again. Sometimes we don't think of it that way, but it really is. It's a time when God the Father sent His Son into the world with the ultimate view of establishing a new kingdom, uh, establishing a new way of us living, and for us ultimately to be set free from anything that would stop us, original sin, anything that would stop us from having access to God. We have the chance to start again. Well, recently I wrote a book called Start Strong. And I wrote this so that people would be able to uh, start anew, afresh in their relationship with God. When I gave my life to Jesus, when I realised that Jesus had come into the world for me, it changed my whole life as I said, yes to Jesus, be at the centre of my life. There are so many people in our lives, so many people in our lives who need to hear about who Jesus is. And so in this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to help people to start again to discover who Christ is. I want to thank all of our Faith Builder partners who give every month. You make it possible to do this. To everybody who gives from time to time, I want to say thank you to you because I couldn't do this without you. And I pray in this Christmas season that this book, Start Strong, would be a blessing to you and to those you love. Loving God, I thank You in this Christmas season that we would encounter Your love, Your goodness, and that we have the ability to start again. Come, Lord God, to all of us. Bless this book to people and may it really, Lord, lift them up to see You. And Father, we make this prayer in the Name of Jesus through the power of Your Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, God bless you all, everybody. Thank you for being with us. I pray that this is an amazing season in your life. Hey, I look forward to seeing you next time. And don't forget, wherever you are, God is never far from you. This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries.